Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael Da Silva and I am your host for episode 40. In this episode, we will be hearing from Rob Oliver, who will be taking on the subject of repentance in his series with us entitled Still Following. We trust you will find this word study helpful. Hey everybody and welcome to Still Following. I'm Rob Oliver. Our text for today is from Matthew 4 verse 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so today what we're looking at is this command of Jesus to repent. In order to really understand what we're talking about, we've got to go back in the context and understand what's going on in this chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, he is tempted by Satan himself. And then as we go through the chapter, verse 12, John the Baptist is arrested. And you think about John the Baptist, he was kind of a wild man out there in the wilderness. And he has this message. He is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all of the people from Jerusalem and Judea and all that region around are coming out to him. They were being baptized and they were confessing their sins. So this is a message that is going out from John the Baptist, who was the promised forerunner of the Messiah, he's telling all of the people they need to repent. The Pharisees come out and he says to them, uh, he calls them a brood of vipers, and he says that they should bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Once John the Baptist is put into prison, things kind of take a turn for the worse because the next thing that happens if you read this parallel passage in Luke chapter 4, Jesus leaves Nazareth, and he doesn't do that willingly. He actually is thrown out of Nazareth by the people there. They try and throw him off the brow of the hill. He leaves there. He goes out into uh, Capernaum and goes into a place by the sea. And interestingly enough, after everything kind of seems dark and seems dim, what you have is John in prison, Jesus being rejected by his own town, and he leaves. He goes as far away from Jerusalem as possible. He is among people who are viewed to be kind of the outcast and the dregs of society. It's interesting. One of the things I read about the area where he was, they refer to the people there as fit to be soldiers, but not to be politicians. In other words, they were not good enough to be part of the king's court. They were just good enough to die for the king. And that is where Jesus ends up And he picks up the exact message that John has, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does this all mean? The words are interesting. The word repent means to change one's mind. It's, in another way, the definition is to change one's mind for better, to heartily amend with the abhorrence of one's past sins. And then he says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what it basically means is the royalty of heaven has come near. So what is he asking them to do? He is asking the people to see things how God sees them. For the regular common everyday people, he is asking them to see their sin as horrifically as God sees it. God absolutely abhors and detests sin. And he's telling the people, you need to change your mind about the things that you have done, about the sins that you've committed. And you need to agree with what God says, that your sin is unacceptable and that your sin is against God and needs to be forgiven. 
for the religious people, what he's saying to them is, you need to see what God sees and to produce what God really wants. He tells them about bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Interestingly enough, in Matthew 21, when the vineyard owner sends his son back to the workers, what is he looking for? He's looking for fruit. Fruit is an outward indication of what's going on inside. The son has come seeking fruit and there is no fruit. Let me just give you a little bit of context about how this concept of repentance shows up in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are actually two different words for the concept of repentance. One of them has to do with uh, the concept of sighing or being sorry or, or changing your mind. The other is more physical in nature, and it actually means to retreat or to turn back. Let me give you an example. You would understand the concept that we have in Jonah, where Jonah is sent to the people of Nineveh to tell them about their sin. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown because of the actions that they have. The people of Nineveh have this to say. In Jonah 3 verses 9 and 10, they say to themselves, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. That word there, the concept of turn and relent, that's the word that is translated throughout the Old Testament as repent. So they're looking for God to repent, for God to change his mind. The other shows up in the next verse. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, that's the other word. It's more of a physical turn. God relented, and again, that's the same word for repent, to change his mind. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So that's how both of those words show up in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, I was surprised to see that more than anything in the Old Testament, the concept of repentance is linked to God himself. It starts way back with Noah and the idea in Genesis 6 and 6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. The word there is translated as repented in the King James, but it's that same concept time and again, people in the Old Testament are calling on the Lord and asking him to repent, to change his mind about the evil that he is going to do to them or the curse that has been brought on them. And then on top of that, God refers to himself throughout. He talks about himself as not being a man that he would repent or change his mind. So there is this concept of repentance, of changing your mind that is mostly in the Old Testament related to God. The other piece is that whenever it is talked about as relating to people, in almost all instances, it is related to a group of people. So for example, in Solomon's prayer, the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, he talks about his people being carried away as captive. But it says, if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, we have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, and pray to you toward their land, you will have compassion on them. So it's very interesting that this concept, it's mostly related to God. Occasionally, it is related to a group of people. There is only one person in the Old Testament that I record as being repentant, and that is Job himself. He says, I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. 
Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what he says in Job 42. So it's the idea that for the most part, what is talked about in the Old Testament with repentance? It is people who are under judgment from God, who are changing their minds and are asking God then to change his mind. The other way in which it does show up in the Old Testament is in that physical way. It actually talks about um, it being a retreat. And so when the Lord leads the children of Israel out from Egypt, he does not bring them by way of the Philistines because what he talks about there is that they would have a taste of war and they would repent or physically retreat because of fear. When you come to the New Testament, it is a different concept because John the Baptist is not preaching about group repentance. He is preaching about individual repentance and individuals confessing their sins. John is not coming to tell the nation how to be free from the oppression of Rome. He is coming to talk to individuals to tell them how they can have a right relationship with God and how they can agree with God's assessment of their sin. Again, when Jesus picks up that message, he is talking to individuals. It is John's same message. Now, there are times when he addresses it to a group. So for example, when they're talking about all of the people that died when a tower fell on them, uh, or all of the heathens that Pilate had killed when they were sacrificing to their gods, he says, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's talking to a group, but he's talking about them each as individuals needing to repent. Peter also picks up this message in the book of Acts when he is sharing the gospel. He says to the people, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this way, most of the time as we look at this concept of repentance, it is linked to agreeing with God. Most of the time when we present it, we're presenting it in the gospel and telling sinners that they need to repent. They need to change their mind about their sin and agree with God that their sin needs to be punished and that um, they would acknowledge that they have been wrong and that God is right and that the only way for their sin to be forgiven is through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Interestingly enough, there are a couple other ways in which Jesus talks about the concept of repentance. In Luke 17, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So there is this concept of repentance when it comes to our interpersonal relationships and when we have wronged someone else. In this particular instance, the Lord is talking if someone has wronged you and says, I repent that we are to forgive them. Additionally, the Lord Jesus, when you get to Revelation chapter two, he talks to the church at Ephesus and he talks about them. And now obviously these would be Christians. These would be people that are part of a local church. And he says to them that I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Again, it's going to be this concept of they need to change their mind, they need to return, and they need to 
and go back to how they were originally when they were first saved, when they had that fervent love for the Lord, when they would do anything for the Lord instead of getting wrapped up in a bunch of rules and regulations, go back to when their love was fresh and when they had a real appreciation and a real desire to serve Christ. At the end of all this, you're asking me, okay, Rob, how does this all apply to me and where does it fit in with my life? So there are four ways in which I see this commandment that the Lord Jesus has as applying to each of us. The first is that I need to change my mind about sin. For those of you that do not know the Lord, there is a very important understanding that you need to have. Your sin is against God. Your sin is what is going to keep you out of his presence eternally. But that's why Jesus died. And so by talking about repentance for those who are sinners, it is the beginning of your relationship with God through what Jesus Christ did. This also applies to those of us who are Christians because we need to change our mind about the sin in our lives. We kind of allow things in our life that are not acceptable to God. We don't see them the way God does. All of us, Christians and unbelievers, we all need to change our mind about our sin. The second part of this is when John the Baptist is talking to the Pharisees about bearing fruit of repentance, that means there is a physical display of this repentance. It's a change in action. It's actually what we heard about in the Old Testament where the people in Nineveh had an actual change of behavior that was displayed outwardly. So there is the inward concept of changing your thinking to agree with God about your sin. There is the outward display that changes your behavior. The third way in which repentance shows up in our lives and the third way that we can follow Jesus when he says to repent is in our interpersonal relationships. If I have wronged someone else, I need to repent. I need to tell them that I am sorry and I need to ask them for forgiveness. And the last way that I see this showing up in our lives is what Jesus talks about to the church in Ephesus when he tells them that they need to repent and they need to return to their first love. In my Christianity, I need to repent about all of the trappings that I have added in, all of the add-ons that I have put in my life, all of the things that have drawn me away from the love that I had for Christ when I was first saved. That's where I need to get back to, and that's what is truly important. So now I've got a couple things for you to think about. Some Think about this questions. The first one is this. How does my thinking about my sin line up with God's thinking about my sin and what needs to change? The second is, who do I need to repent to about my actions and damaged relationships? The last question is, in light of Jesus' word to the Ephesian believers, how do I repent, get back to my former works and my first love? I hope this has been as challenging to you as it has been to me. I will leave you with this reminder. We have been looking at the words of Jesus, and here's what Jesus has to say. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God help us all to be still following him. Thank you.